You guys ready for the word today? Amen. Let's pray really fast. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We just uh, ask that you, the Holy Spirit, would come and just begin to teach us your heart. Holy Spirit, teach us the Father's heart, the Father's plan, the Father's will today. Father, we just pray that uh, as, we, as we're here today, God, and we just sit at your feet. Lord, thank you for just perspective. Maybe to um, just kind of bring clarity to a season that we've been in before. Maybe a season that we're currently in. And uh, probably most definitely a season that we will enter into one day. So, Father, thank you for just perspective. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your anointing and your presence filling this place. God, we just uh, simply pray, God, even what that open song said, uh, come, have your way. But, Lord, have your way in us. Have your way in me. So, Lord, do what you desire to do in each one of us specifically. God, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about uh, basically passing through part two. If you were not here last week, I would encourage you to uh, go to the podcast and listen to uh, part one. But anyways, we said this. We'll kind of hit the ground running. Uh, last week, we said that on this journey with God, that it is absolutely impossible. Somebody say impossible. It's impossible to spend any amount of time with God and not encounter a God ordained dry place. Is that true? Meaning that this, that one day, and I think most of us have been there, if we walk with God for any amount of time, meaning that uh, literally there, there's, you know, just in our relationship with God, in one moment, uh, you know, everything's going great. We're feeling His presence, man. It's like we're hearing His voice with such clarity. Uh, our prayers are being answered. Then it's almost like just out of nowhere, everything just turns. And it's almost like God just disappears. And, you know, it's during those times that I have personally felt, and I'm sure you have too, it feels like God is a million miles away. In fact, it almost feels like God is ignoring you. Yes? Listen, it's in those seasons that our prayers feel like they come out of our mouth and they just fall to the ground. And, you know, we sit back and we just wonder almost like God, it's like you scratch our head, God, have you forgotten your promises? And then we sit there when, you know, because we're in this tough, dry season, we get tired, we get discouraged, we get lonely, we get depressed. And uh, most of the time when we're in that kind of uh, state of mind, uh, we feel like we've done something wrong or maybe something's just wrong with us. You know, we get angry, we get frustrated, uh, we wrestle with fear and doubt. And uh, I don't know about you, but during those times, I have felt like I'm just not growing spiritually. In fact, I feel like I'm kind of going the opposite way, like I almost need to get born again again, Right. And, uh, you know, it's during those times that we feel like we've lost our passion. We feel like we're wandering kind of aimlessly. We feel defeated. And because we feel defeated, we go into self-pity. Isn't that true? You know, because we uh, are confused in those seasons, we literally start to get suspicious about everything and everyone. What do they mean by that? What do they say about that? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? And I think basically if I would take a step back, kind of consider all of that, here's basically what the dry season feels like. It feels like God has just kind of sent us to our room. Yes, it's like I keep getting this image of my of my third child doing this. We kind of look alike. So and these big crocodile tears, that's kind of like that's what it looks like, you know, in anyways with us. So anyone ever been there? So, listen, you've probably heard this before, but another way people describe this dry place is they use the words they call it the wilderness. Anybody heard that before? So, listen, Noah Webster, obviously we know he wrote a dictionary, right? Noah Webster actually uh, defined the wilderness. Probably, uh, it probably couldn't have been defined any better, and you'll see it up on the screen. But he defined it as this. He defined the wilderness as an uninhabited region, a barren place or an empty place. That it's an uninhabited region, it's barren, and it's empty. 
I think that's so, so true, not only concerning the natural, but also the spiritual. Yes? Listen, when we are in a spiritual dry place or wilderness season, we feel like we are in an uninhabited region, meaning that we feel like we're absolutely alone. It's during those times that, that literally we, we feel like we're the only ones there, and we feel like nobody else has a clue what we're going through. It's like, if they only knew what I was going Nobody understands. I think we've all been there at one part, right? So it, not only do we feel like we're in some uninhabited region, but we feel barren. And the reason we feel barren is because there's no intimacy happening with the Lord. And because there's no intimacy really happening there, we feel lifeless. Uh, we feel like we aren't bearing any fruit. We feel like we have no purpose. And let's just get honest. It's in those seasons we feel like our dream is absolutely dying. The next thing there is we feel empty inside. Uh, you know, it's really this. When, when we are there in the wilderness season, we feel like our drive and our motivation are absolutely gone. We feel like that, that literally that we have nothing to give people and not even God. And I think it's so funny. It's, it's during those dry wilderness seasons that people will call you and go, I need, your, I need you to counsel me. I need you to give me some advice. I need some help. And you're like, I have nothing to give you at this moment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't get quiet on me today. Listen, it's in my opinion that one of the toughest parts about being in a wilderness season is this, is we don't really know why we're there. We don't know why we're there. We don't know how we got there. You, you know, and all we do is when we're in those seasons, we begin to question everything, especially when we're young believers. And uh, when we begin to question everything, I've personally found out that it's real easy to believe some misconceptions about the wilderness. Somebody say misconceptions. We think things like this, and obviously this isn't a list that encompasses everything, but here's six things that I have personally found that we think about. The first one is this. We think God has forgotten us. We think that God, let's get honest today, right? We think that God has forgotten us, and it's almost like he's led us into this wilderness, and now he's abandoned us. Another thing we think is this. We think God has rejected us, and here's what I mean by this is that for some, some reason, he's kind of looked us over, he's evaluated us, he's kind of inspected us, and, and he's kind of come to the conclusion that, you know, we're just defective, that something's wrong with us. And so he kind of tosses us to the side, throws us up on the shelf, puts us in the heat pile, whatever. It's just like something we're not matching up, we're not measuring up, so he just kind of disregards us. The third thing we believe is this, and we've even been taught this many ways, and it can be true, but it's not always the truth. But, so the third thing is this, is that, that we believe that we have sinned. We believe that we sin. We believe that because we've messed up somehow that we've just royally blown it. And now God is somehow punishing us. He's just mad at us. Anybody ever thought that? Then the fourth thing that we think about, we're in the wilderness season a lot of times, is we feel like we've just missed God. That some, somehow along the way, God spoke to me and I ignored what he said and I disobeyed. And, and now I'm being once again punished or relegated to this dry place. And, uh, you know, somehow I'm now forced to go through this. Another thing we think if we're super spiritual or what we call super saved down in the south is we, we, we say this. It's the enemy. L- listen, and I know the devil does stuff. So don't get me wrong. But, but listen, it's it's it's, you know, sometimes we when we go through a little bit of hard time, we automatically say every bit of this is the devil. He's persecuting me. These trials and tribulations, it's all from him. Anybody ever met somebody like that? If it's your neighbor. Shh. All right, here we go. So the, the sixth thing that we believe is this is is and this is really unfortunate, but I've seen this a lot is when people go through a wilderness, especially when they're kind of older, they think that God's done with them. 
that they think for some reason that, you know, one time he gave them this dream, uh, he put it in their heart, he made them feel like they had a purpose, and then he's kind of taking it from them. And they're literally sitting there in this wilderness spot, this dry place, and they're thinking that, you know, I'm never going to accomplish anything of significance for the kingdom of God. Anybody ever seen any of that? Anybody ever felt any of that? See, see, let me maybe say this real fast. The reason I want to talk about this stuff today is because, unfortunately, in today's church, and I'm not knocking anybody, but we all we want to tell people that it's all pie in the sky, that everything's cotton candy and ice cream and fun. And that's not the real gospel. Yes, if you've walked with God for any any period of time, you'll find out that, guess what? Uh, life throws some curveballs at you. Some of it is the devil. Some of it's just life. And some of it's just God ordained. Yes, and, and it's really nobody can tell you what situation you're going through is if it's of the devil, if it's God, or if you blew it or whatever. Ultimately, kind of like Job, you just got to figure it out with God. Yes, because sometimes friends, they don't really know. They, they, they mean well, but they're absolutely wrong when they come and tell you, hey, here's what God's doing in your life. And, and, and they're totally missing it. Yes. So anyway, so here's the problem with that kind of thinking. Okay, get, get with me, because today is meant to be encouraging. All right. So listen to this verse. I'm going to show you why all that thinking is incorrect. Look at Matthew chapter three, verses 16 and 17. It says when he speaking about Jesus, when he had been baptized, it says Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. Get that the heavens open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. In other words, landing upon him. This says in verse 17, this is key. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son and who I am well pleased and whom I am well pleased. We have a chapter change right here. It goes from chapter 3 to chapter 4. Obviously, men put the chapter changes in there. So let's, let's read it like God meant it, okay? So it goes from Matthew 3, 16, 17 to Matthew 4, 1. Look at what Matthew 4, 1 says. It says, Then Jesus, meaning that after what we just read, then Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit into what? Simone, say it like you mean it. Into the wilderness. So let's think about this for a second, okay? Did the father abandon Jesus in that moment? No. Did the father reject Jesus? No. Listen, he just said, he literally just said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, the father opened up heaven and he claimed Jesus as his own. He opened up heaven and identified himself with Jesus. Yes. So did Jesus sin? No, not even once. In fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, it says that he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So did Jesus miss the Father's will? No, he didn't. In fact, we look in the gospel again and again, and we see this uh, continual repeated thing where uh, basically Jesus says, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it. I don't say anything unless I hear him saying it. There's this constant thing that he is under submission, under authority, and he does nothing on his own. So he was not at one point ever outside the will of God. So looking at that scripture back at it, do we think that the enemy led Jesus in the wilderness? No. Was the father done with Jesus? No. In fact, we, we know once again, and there's a whole lot of reasons we get theological there. But at the end of the day, listen, he, he when he was baptized and also he declared him as a son. That was Jesus's introduction into his earthly ministry. So the truth is, is the God, the father was really getting just there at that point, getting down to the purpose of why Jesus came. Is that true? 
So here's the point I want to make. And it's more as a question. But so if those things are true about Jesus, why can't they be true about us as well? It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So listen, so I want to encourage you this morning. If you're in a wilderness season, okay, bottom line in this room, uh, a majority of us have been in one of those before, maybe several. Okay. And more than likely, there's people that are in this, uh, in one of those seasons right now in the room. And more than likely, let me just say it, without a doubt, every one of us in this room, we're going to enter another one at one point. Yes, it's just the way it works. So wherever you're at today, I just want to encourage you this, that God hasn't forgotten or he hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't. I know that sounds so simple, but all the time we really don't believe it. True. It's like we know things, but all the time we don't really believe things. Listen to this verse in Deuteronomy 8, too. It's a pretty awesome verse. So obviously he's speaking to the Israelites, okay, in the context. But he says this. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Basically he's saying this. Guys, you have been in the wilderness for 40 years, but there was not one moment that I wasn't with you. See, a lot of times we think because we can't feel God's touch that we think he's not moving. He's, his hand's still moving in us, even though we may not feel him. Yes? Listen, God hasn't rejected you if you're in a wilderness. Once again, you're his son, you're his daughter, he loves you. And more than likely, once again, if you're in a wilderness, more than likely, guess what? You're not there because uh, you did something wrong. More than likely, you're there because you did something right. And I just want to tell you today, it's just this. I just felt like the Lord wouldn't tell you this, that he's pleased with you. That he's pleased. You think, my God, I'm in this awful spot and something's wrong with me. But the father said, nope, I'm pleased with you. Listen, if you're in if you're in a wilderness today, I want you to know that you just might be in his perfect will. This is the thing. Please hear this. If you're in a desert, it's a guarantee that the father's not through with you yet. It's a guarantee that if you are in a tough spot. He's not done. And you'll understand why more in a minute. But let me say this to you really fast. Over the years, I, I'm going to key on the word. I have slowly, slowly realized that the wilderness was never meant to be viewed as a negative thing. It's taken me a long time to get that. But that the wilderness was never meant to be a negative thing. I think, you know, when you're a young Christian and you, and you hit a tough spot, you just fall apart and you just, it's like you have this ultimate meltdown, and you think everything's just awful and bad. And, uh, you, you know, the truth is, we're so, um, maybe I'd compare it this way. We're just that little kid in the backyard, and we're looking through the hole in the fence, and all we see is what we can see. And God has this, you know, he's up in the tree, and he has this view. He can see it all. And a lot of times when we're young believers, and we really don't know what God's doing because we don't have his perspective, we think it's all negative. But if we would sit in God's seat, we would understand that to him, it's a very positive thing. And the reason it's a positive thing is because he knows the potential outcome if we're willing to go through it. Yes? So I want us to understand today, a real simple thing, that the Holy Spirit intentionally led Jesus into the wilderness. He's going to intentionally lead us there, too. So if he didn't lead Jesus to the wilderness, you know, without a purpose in mind, he's not going to lead us to the wilderness without a purpose in mind either. So real fast. okay, we're just kind of getting some housekeeping stuff done here. okay? just some just trying to give you some truth. So real quick, what is God's purpose behind the wilderness seasons? And once again, this isn't an all-inclusive list. It's just a few thoughts that I have, okay? 
The first one is this. It's to show us who he is. And I know I say that a lot, but that's really important. And I'll explain that one more in a minute. But to show us who he is. The second one is this. Is in the wilderness seasons, he teaches us how to, de- how to depend on him. How to depend on him. He also, in the wilderness season, uh, he comes and he builds our character and he builds our spiritual strength. He comes in those seasons to purify our hearts. And this next one, I know it's going to be a little hard for us to understand, uh, but this is straight from a Bible verse, so we can back this. But he literally leads us in the wilderness to humble us and to test our hearts. It says that in the Bible. To humble us and to test our hearts. And he also takes us to the wilderness because he wants to please get this, please. Because this is really where we begin to transition from being a, you know, an, an immature babe in Christ to going, okay, I've become a man or woman of God. But he takes us there to teach us how to seek his face and not his hand. Yes? You, you know, you know, so often, and, and, and this isn't a slam on anybody, but, but, you know, Jesus said after he fed the multitude, you know, with fish and the bread, he said this. He said, you don't follow me because you see signs and wonders. You follow me because your bellies are full. And a lot of times it's truth that we've all done at one point or another that we've sought God and we, you know, we've prayed with all the things we're supposed to do because we really just want a handout. We, we really just want him to meet a need in our lives. We've all done it. Yes. Yes. Don't act all right. Super saved. You've all done it, okay? So listen, Jesus will even take us into the desert or the wilderness uh, to teach us how to serve him and not to serve our dream or to serve a calling that we feel like God's given us. That's huge. God will take us there to mold us into his image. He takes us there to give us his perspective. And I think one of the overall, and we'll probably talk about this next week, but uh, he takes us there to train and, pre- and to prepare us for our next assignment. That's huge. He takes us there to train us and prepare us for our next assignment. So I want to throw this thought at you here really quick. A few thoughts. Okay? Because I, this may be new to some of you, may not be to others. But, but how else do we think that we're molded into men and women of God? How else do we think that? Listen, how else do we think our faith grows? Faith doesn't grow unless you need it. True? How else do we think a greater level of trust is established with the Father? How else do we think that the fruit of the Spirit matures in us? How else do we think our capacity for the intimacy or for intimacy with the Holy Spirit expands? Gang, there's really not too many ways in all that. There's several ways, but this is definitely one of the ways. Truth? Y'all are getting quiet on me. It's truth, okay? So, so listen, it, bottom line is it's like, um, here, let's just get real, Okay? How many of you guys in this room, real quick, we'll get personal. How many of you guys in this room have been in a spot financially before and you said, my God, I don't even know if we're going to make it. And then it was like in the, in the last hour, in the midnight hour, he came through. Anybody? Okay. Now watch this. When you encountered the next circumstance, was your faith at the same spot before or did your faith increase? And you believe, you know what, God, you've done it before. I know you'll do it again. Yes? So guess what? And it's not that, listen, it's, this kingdom is a kingdom of faith, right? And there's something in that same time when my faith is growing, guess what? My trust in him is growing, that I just know, guess what? God is dependable, yes? Okay, so let me ask you this. How many of you guys have met a person before? Don't get super saved on me right here, okay? How many of you guys have met a person before that you just didn't like them? <laughs> Yes, I mean, they, hey, hey, listen, 
Has God ever asked you to love that person? Guess what? When you begin to love them and watch God walk through the walls, right, and and watch him change situations, at the end of the day, guess what just happened? The fruit of the Spirit grew in your life. Okay? You know, know, uh, Bill's here today, so I'm picking on him. But but he says this, I never pray for patience. But guess what? We go through things, and and here's really really the stuff about that, okay? It's It's not just patience really isn't the ability to wait. It's the attitude while you wait. That's what God is trying to teach us in those moments, right? So, so the truth is, is this, let, let's, you know, for, if we really back up, God is always teaching lessons. It's just up to us if we're learning them, right? And so he uses tough spots, tough situations to once again to do all these things in our life. In fact, listen to this verse, okay? So we don't think that we're, we're getting unbiblical here. The Bible says this in Hebrews 5.8. It says that Jesus learned. Somebody say learned. That he learned obedience through the things he suffered. That he learned obedience through the things he suffered. That word suffered there in the, in the Greek language simply means experienced. That he learned obedience through the things he experienced. And, uh, you know, let, let me even say this, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote it wrong. I should have looked it up this morning because I had a feeling I was going to say it. But the first part basically talks about pretty much that we are partnering with Christ in his power. Okay? And, and literally his power. But then it says this, and in the fellowship of his sufferings. That's true. We all want the woo! We don't want the <laughs> Yes? But that's part of it. Once again, uh, you know, Jesus is our brother, right? He's God, but he's our brother. We're co-heirs with Christ. And guess what? If he walked that road, I'm going to walk that road. Thank God, right? Now, let me give you, let me give you a verse, okay? In, in fact, whatever. We'll, we'll just have fun here real fast. What do you guys think the, the most read chapter in the Bible is? John. I think somebody actually said it. The, the most read by, uh, chapter in the Bible is Psalms 23. They read it at funerals. <laughs> yeah, so, so listen, it was never meant to be a funeral passage, right? But listen what it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Talk to me. For you are with me, your rod and your staff cover me. All right, so watch this. So, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In the Hebrew language, that shadow of death means experience. Yea, though I walk, key word, through, through, because the wilderness was never meant to, to die there, to dwell there. It was always designed for you to go through it. But it says this, notice the part, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of experience. Notice the part where it says, you are with me. Because there's no way out of it unless he's with you. True. So anyway, so Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. So watch this. It's through the hard times and the wilderness seasons that we learn things like obedience, patience, perseverance, endurance, and ultimately how to walk in the love of God. Yes. Come on, talk to me. Yes. So in essence, here's what I'm saying to you today. Okay. Is we need to understand this morning that the dry seasons with God, because those are real. Okay. The dry seasons with God are just as important as the seasons of an open heaven. 
A lot of times we focus on just these powerful move of God's and we feel like they do something in us. And I may talk about this more next week, but we'll, we'll step into it right now. These, we think these mountaintop experiences really change us. The truth is, is they, they, they are exciting. They keep us going. They give us fuel to keep running. But really, it's over here in the moments of the valley where we're really changed. In fact, let me say this, because I, I, one of my favorite things to watch on TV outside of Alabama football all right, is, is this, if we're winning, and uh, if we're losing, it's a bad day. So anyways, so pray for me. So anyways, one of my favorite things to watch on TV is, is survival shows. I love survival shows. Okay, it doesn't matter what kind of survival show it is. Well, there's a few that I won't watch. But, but uh, anyways, there's some that I really like. And one of the things that always happens in these survival shows, watch this. This helicopter comes in, and they drop them off at the top of this mountain. And this view is just like unbelievable. Right? It's like you just see everything. But what's the first thing, the two partners or whoever it is, the one guy there, the first thing they say to the camera is this, is we have to get off this mountain. And the reason is, is because nothing grows there. All the resources, all the things that sustain you in life are in the valley. They get down to the valley because that's where the water is. That's where the shelter is with trees. That's where the animals are to feed. Are, are you following me? Okay, I, I like this stuff. So anyways, so but but it's the same thing spiritually. That's what happens. We have these moments. And the reason we don't live there in those great, uh, you know, mountain experience moments is is because we really don't grow in them. God has to bring us to a place where really he's at and goes, OK, let, let's let's handle some business. Yes, because because watch this. Here's truth. On that mountaintop, actually, me and my friend were talking about this, uh, the, this the other day. He said, he said, Q, do you realize what's on the mountain with you? He said, it, it's only what you, what you took with you. Good point. But in the valley, once again, there's resources. Anyways, maybe we'll talk about that later. That's right. Nothing else is in there. So, once again, so these open heaven moments are awesome. But these dry seasons or these wilderness seasons are just as essential essential in our growing process or our growth process. So let me say this kind of kind of to you. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Real simple statement. God cares more about my growth than my comfort. So true. God cares more about my growth than my comfort. All right, so watch this. So let's kind of land this thing. I'm going to get personal here really quick. I said all that, just kind of get to here. I don't know about for you, but when, when I was a young believer, I've only been born again now uh, roughly about 19 years, okay? So anyways, when I was a young believer, nobody ever came and threw their arm around me and said, look, Quinn, I just want to let you know, I just want to give you a heads up, in this life, you are going to endure some really tough seasons. You know, there are going to be some dry seasons, some wilderness seasons. There's going to be times that you feel like, my God, I am dying. You're going to endure, you're going to, you're going to endure that. You're going to go, but don't worry, you're going to go through it. I, you know, listen, it's, it's because once again in the church, we're so concerned a lot of times of presenting the, the good side to people and saying, okay, here's the good stuff, get saved. Right. And then what happens is, is they get saved and then they hit one of these tough spots and they say, forget this. If God was real, I wouldn't be going through this because that's not what they told me. Truth. Right. And they backslide. Well, it's not true. Right. So even this, let me give you an example. Okay, while we're there, 
If you if you read the book of Acts when Paul was converted, okay, in Acts chapter nine, when he was converted, and and what did the Lord the Lord speak to Ananias, the guy that obviously brought him in his house, prayed for him, scales fall off his eyes, all of that. He said this. He said, I must show Paul the things that he must suffer for my sake. That man got the real deal right there at the front. At the front, he got it. That's why he says, you know what? I've learned to be content in all things. Well, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beat, I've been stoned, I've been, you know, guess what? But it's still all for the glory of God. He got it. He understood it. Yes? Amen. We'll stop there. All right. So anyway, so watch this. Let me tell you really today, I, I just want to tell you about my first wilderness season. I've had many, and I'll probably talk about some next week, but, but I felt the need to share two with you, Okay. So the or one season stuff I learned from it. So anyways, when I turned when I turned 20 years old, I left Birmingham, Alabama and I moved to Lafayette, Louisiana. Great food. Okay. when so basically the previous two years, I'd only I'd only been born again uh, almost two years at that time. And, um, you know, I was in I was in ministry school. Uh, I was in a really thriving church, really good church. Uh, God was moving. We were we were traveling all around the United States doing, doing ministry. So I was seeing all kinds of fruit happening. Right. And so, you know, there I had uh, three guys, uh, John, Jason and Carl, that that were they, they were more than family. They were they were brothers. OK, because my family at that time, nobody else was saved. I was the only one saved. When I went home, I was a black sheep. Nobody understood me. Nobody understood Jesus at all. And, and so, you know, me and these three guys really had a tight bond with one another. And so anyway, so when I moved, though, I, I left that awesome church, that great ministry team. Uh, I, I left those three guys. In other words, my, my support system was gone. The, these guys were always a source of encouragement. If you had a bad day, they're there. All these things. And, you know, uh, you know, cute. I'm praying for you. God believes this. Da, 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 da. And anyways, just great moments. We, we've all had those friends probably somewhere along the line. So anyway, so God snatched me out of that. And he, and he moved me to Lafayette, Louisiana. Literally, I remember sitting there at a at a camp in Alexandria, Louisiana, on my 20th birthday, going, I know, I don't know one person here. And it was like, I want my mama, you know. <laughs> it was bad. So, anyways, um, it was kind of it was kind of right after that I began to pray some really really simple prayers. I think you know around the room, I'm sure we've prayed very simple prayers like this too. But they kind of went like this. God, I ask you to change me. Ask you to change me. So what is this time I knew I knew I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew I was called to the ministry. Um, I knew I wanted to live for God. I knew I wasn't going back to the old way. You you know, I knew it was it it was full blast forward. Here we go. Right. And so I began to pray these things. God, change me. God, make me more like you. God, I ask you to purify my heart. And a lot, a lot of times, let me maybe stop here. What happened was is somebody would preach something, and I was so young, I didn't really have a clue what they were talking about, but it just sounded good. Sounded right. And I said, no, I need to pray that. Anybody ever done that? Stupid. Anyway, so, so then I'd say something like, that, God, I, I want to be used for your glory. And then, then here's the last one I want to say, and this is the one that, I, you know, if somebody would have came and threw their arm around me, they would have said, Quentin, don't ever pray this. And once again, I'm kind of having fun with that. I realize, you know, God's not whatever. We hear that with balance. okay? but here's the prayer that I prayed. God, I ask you to break me. 
God, I ask you to break me. And I remember I began to pray that just not once in the morning, but literally throughout the day. God, break me. God, break me. God, break me. And I soon realized that he heard those simple prayers because he knew I meant them. And not after that. And once again, it all happens different ways. I'm telling you my personal experience here. Okay. But right after that, the Holy Spirit led me into a wilderness that I know that was designed uniquely for me. And the next year, really year and a half, almost two years, was brutal. I mean, I died a thousand deaths. I mean, I, I literally just um, thinking, man, I've never felt this alone, this empty, this broken in my life. And, uh, I, you know, this may sound so wild. I remember one day, uh, you know, starting to get in the shower. And, I mean, I remember as clear as a bell. And I was just crying. And I was saying, Lord, will you please get me out of here? And in my mind, I thought at the time, I thought it was the geographical location. But it really wasn't. A ge- it was a spiritual spot. You know, because I, because I equated what I was going through with the place instead of understanding that it was really God doing something. Does that make sense? And so, kind of fast forward in the story, I remember one night, and please hear this, okay, because there's a point here. I, I remember being in the church foyer because, you know, everybody leaves, and that, you know, my early years before I was married and, and had kids, you know, we always started an hour in the morning praying as far as a group, as far as the Bible school that we, that was part of leading. And so, uh, but I always waited till everybody kind of went to bed, and I would go somewhere, and I would just get with God and spend a few hours. And it was, on, it was on one of those nights I went to the church foyer because the acoustics were great, and it made me sound like I was a much better singer than I really am. And so, anyway, so I'm singing, I'm worshiping God, but in the bottom of all that, I really didn't want to sing, and, you know, I'm really hurt, really broken, and I begin to really have a heart-to-heart conversation with Jesus. And i got to be honest with you. Let me help you out. He's not, he's not scared of you having those conversations with him. He's not even scared for you to say, uh, God, I'm really angry at you right now. He, he's a big guy. He can handle it, right? So in the middle of all that, now let me maybe say this real fast, okay, so you understand part of this. Um, my position at that time in that church was everybody was either over me, meaning that I was under their authority, or I was either, uh, you know, had authority over them. So there was nobody in, in my spot so there was nobody that I could really relate to. And once again, that's what I had in Birmingham. Guys, that we were all on the same level. We were, all, we were all going through it together. And then I'm kind of put here, and I'm going, okay, you're, you're by yourself. But anyways, here's the way it started. I said this. I said, God, and, and literally, it's almost in a, in a, just a pitiful tone, whatever. Anyways, I said, God, will, will you please bring me a friend? And I began to name Carl. You know, in Birmingham, I had Carl, I had Jason, I had, I had John, and now I moved down here and there's this guy. But, man, Lord, we're really, not, we're really not on the same page. By the way, that was the friend I was talking to the other day. It was that guy I was talking about. We just didn't have that yet. And, uh, and so in that middle of going, God, will you please send me a friend? I, I heard the Lord in a very matter-of-fact way. He said this, I am the friend that sits closer than a brother. And, you know, I thought we were on a roll. So I said, OK, let's go to the next thing. And I began to t- tell God, I said, look, God, my dad's not saved. My stepdad's not saved. God, will you please send me a daddy? God, Tommy, the guy I'm talking about, he has his dad. And that dad will be here in a few months, by the way. And so um, and then I said, Lord, Lord uh, Tommy, another one of my friends, he's got his dad, Pete. God, will you please send me a dad that will just love me, encourage me in the faith. And I heard once again in that same tone that same authority i heard him say i am the father to the fatherless 
And then, because once again, we were on such a good roll, I said this. I said, God, you know, when I was in Birmingham, I was dating this girl. <laughs> I'm 20, right? So I said, uh, you, you know, Lord, there's no way we could date when I came here. Blah, blah, blah. What you have for her? God, will you please just, if I can't have a friend, if I can't have a dad, will you at least, could, will you please send me a girlfriend? <laughs> How funny, huh? So you've been there. Hey, don't play. All right. And listen, but I heard the Lord say this really, really clear, really clear. And it was like he almost took it to another level. But he said this. He said, Quentin, until you learn how to romance me, you have no right romancing a woman. (laughs) Yeah, gotcha. And so anyway, so watch this. Really what the Lord was trying to get me to see was in Isaiah. It says, the Lord, your maker, is your husband. Meaning that this, okay, I've said, no, I'm a man, right? But meaning that the Lord wants to fill that, that gap, that void in your life. Yes? So here's really what I'm trying to tell you today. That I've learned when I said, what's his purpose? He wants to show us who he is. That it's in the, it's in the wilderness season that God wants to show you, or he desires to show you, that he wants to be the I am in every area of your life. If we let him. Does that make sense to you guys today? That he literally wants to be the I am. So whatever the situation is, wherever the longing, whatever the need is, there's an I am biblically attached to that somewhere. We just got to let him be that. Yes? Listen, I, I, I want to say this because I, I, you know, I started there when I said, Lord, that prayer I prayed, Lord, I ask you to break me. Yeah. Fast forward. Um, my... I had two months remaining in, in that in that place. So basically, it was right before Thanksgiving. Okay, and I remember in 1999, and I remember uh, basically going to the altar once again, broken, hurt, discouraged, you know, alone, all those things. And this guy came. That's you know, I've mentioned some of the prophetic words he's given me in the past, but he came and I, came to me, and I really didn't know him quite yet at that moment. I know him much better now, but. But he just put his hand on my shoulder and he, and he began to pray for me. And, and he said this. Here's how he started off. He said, he said, basically, the Lord would say, son, this guy knows nothing, nothing. I don't really know him. Okay. He goes, son, you've asked me to break you and I have broken you, says the Lord. Now, watch this. Don't miss this, please. But there was something about that moment. I'm not trying to get a gold star or anything like that. But here's the point. Is at that moment, I realized that all the hell that I went through, that it was worth it. You follow me? That God literally had a purpose in it. He had a plan in it. And it was him and not the geographical location, not the church, not the pastor, not the group of people I was around. But it was him that said, okay, this is the route we're going to take. Am I making sense, you guys? And so, you know, it's so funny because in the rest of that word, and maybe we'll talk about this next week somehow, but, but he said this. He said uh, the, the encouraging part of that was this. Now, obviously, it was super encouraging that the Lord heard me and that the Lord was moving. But he said this. Pretty much here was the reason behind that is it says that the Lord has etched out a niche for you. Let me back up. He actually said this. The next thing he said was uh, the Lord says you've been asking, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And I said, I haven't been praying that. Two weeks later, I was. <laughs> I love God. So, and, and he says this. He says, the Lord says he's going to open up a door for you. In fact, it's going to surprise you. And he goes, it says basically that he has etched out a niche for you. 
Those aren't words I normally use, so I went and looked them up afterwards. Etch means to carve. Niche means where one's talents and abilities fit in. So two months later, after going through all of that, God's saying, I've done this. I get a call from Pastor Al Bryce and says, hey, can you move to North Carolina? Y'all following me? And, and for some reason, once again, all that stuff, and it wasn't that I was some rock star. God knows that even though I, here's the truth. Let me go ahead and help you with this. That even though I left a geographical location and God presented another opportunity, it doesn't mean I necessarily left the wilderness. It just kind of moved with me because it's a spiritual condition, not a geographical one. Yes? So, anyways, but what I understood from the rest of that prophecy, God was saying, I did all of this in preparation for where you're going to go so you can do this. We'll talk about that more next week. But, okay, let me finish with this. Um, all right. I'm going to talk about a story really quick that I probably learned uh, God's heart uh, of what he was doing basically during that time. In other words, uh, while I was going through all of this, this passage of scripture opened up for me. And um, and I don't I, even though I understood the scripture, I don't think I ever tagged the two together. Fair enough. So, so anyway, so uh, I, over the years I have and I just want to share it with you real quick. OK, so we all we all know in Daniel three, you got three Hebrew children, right? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. OK. And we, we all know the story that those guys, uh, obviously King Nebuchadnezzar built this idol and said, uh, you know, look, when the, when the thing goes, okay, everybody bow down and worship and do all that, blah, 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 blah. And these three guys said, not going to happen, right? And everybody preaches it from a boldness sense, okay? So listen, if you're a hermeneutical person, this isn't going to be too hermeneutical, okay? So anyway, so what happened was, is, Obviously, we know that the guys didn't bow, so the king got ticked off. And obviously, we know there were some instigators in the mix. And so they took the three guys. He pumped the stove, what, seven times hotter, right? And he throws the guys in the fire. And, and they, you know, look, they're watching, expecting to be burned up. And, oh, my goodness, I see the three, and there's a fourth with them. And then it says, okay, call them out of the fire. They get out of the fire. And, and we know that basically it says that nothing was burned on them, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and it says uh, pretty much we need to serve your God. All right, so let me give you my version, all right, or my interpretation, whatever of it. Here's what I learned, because during that season, I was really going through the fire, right? I was really going through the fire, and here's what I learned. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who put them in the fire? We all say King Nebuchadnezzar, but once again, the king, the king put them in the fire, all right? And so notice what happened in the fire, there was literally one, two, three, four. We know, in, you know, you know, theo, theo, uh, theologically, you know, that was either, a, you know, we call it a theophany or Christophany, meaning theophany, meaning God appearing or Christ appearing. We know that that was Christ right in the fire with him. OK, so anyways, they're walking step by step with him. I want you to notice that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego didn't hit the fire, take off running. Wow. That's what we do a lot of times. We hit we hit the hot spot. We hit the stove and we start looking for a way of escape. We start looking for shortcuts, detours, all of that, instead of just going, okay, Lord, why do you have me here? Right? Notice they pumped that, that fire seven times hotter. That is God's number, right? Okay? So, it's, so in other words, they're in a perfect spot. So here they are, um, you know, walking in the fire step by step. They didn't run ahead of him, nor did they go, I'm not going. I'm mad. I'm hurt. I'm offended. And just sit down. 
Listen, if they if they would have took off running or if they would have just sat down and just said, what will be will be, we're going to stay here and die. Then guess what? The miracle probably wouldn't have happened. Are you following me? God's plan would not have happened. Instead, those guys walked it out. And guess what? Who called them out of the fire? The king. So the king is the one who puts us in the fire. And guess what? He's the only one that can call us out. If we try to call ourselves out, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to circle that mountain for 40 years. That's what we're going to do. We're going to just keep reliving the process. You're never going to get out of the second grade spiritually if you keep flunking the test. So, but when you say, okay, God, I'm going to go your way and I'm going to listen and, and I'm going to, let, let me just kind of interject something here, okay? Um, the guy that I said, once again, I said, Lord, Tommy has your dad, Pastor Tommy. Okay, watch this. I'm going to give you an example. Hopefully I'm not boring you guys. Um, I remember I was there a few weeks being a young Christian. I said something to a woman that was absolutely stupid. Okay, it was really dumb. I thought it meant something, but turned out it meant something else in the grown up world. Okay, and so and I won't tell you what I said because it's just that embarrassing. But anyway, so I don't even know Pastor Tommy at the time. Okay. And, and he goes, uh, hey, Quentin, uh, I want you to ride with me. I hate when pastors say that. I want you to ride with me. And so I get in the car, and he says this. He starts saying, he goes, he goes, Quentin, do you remember when you used to say, God, I'll go where you want me to go. God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. And he's, and he's just talking, and I'm going, I have prayed that hundreds of times. And, he's, and then what he does is he basically sets it up in the way the only pastor Tommy can, and then he just kicks me in the butt as hard as he can. And he rebuked me. But listen, here's the point. I've learned that it's during these seasons that it's not only God that's trying to bring something and change in our life, but he's also using spiritual authority in our life, right, to speak truth to us out of love, to try to help us change. He's also using our spouses. And a lot of times we really pay attention to who use our kids, and he certainly uses our friends. Yes? Am I talking to anybody? So a lot of times we dig our heels in and we get super prideful and we go, you know what, I, I, I refuse to listen to you that. And God said, will you please listen to me? Because that's him moving. Yes? All right. We'll move on. All right. We'll move on. So once again, the king calls him out of the fire. And I want you to notice something. This is really the point here. And we'll read scripture. We're done. But I want you to notice what was the only part that burned with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Was it their clothes? Was it their hair? What burned? The thing that had them bound. The only thing that burned up in that fire was the very thing that had them bound. And it brought revelation to, okay, God, I prayed this, and you brought me through this past two years, and I've hated life something tremendously. But guess what happened? The only thing you did was is you just were burning away the things that had me bound that I didn't even know had me bound. Yes? Watch this last verse here, okay? This is really good. It's out of Job, chapter 23. If, basically, I don't know if there's a way to describe the wilderness any better than this. Job said this. We got it? Job, uh, Job 23. Okay, here we go. Verses 8 and 10. It says, look, I go forward, but he is not there. In other words, I'm moving, but God, where are you at? And then it says this. It says, and backwards, but I cannot perceive him. And when he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. 
That's the wilderness, right? Going, God, literally, where in the world are you at? But look at the last part. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. What an unbelievable verse, huh? That I think it's going on like this, but God says, you know, here's my perspective. You may not know where I'm at, but I know exactly where you're at. He says, guess what? I'm going to take you through this, and you're going to come forth as gold. What does the fire do with gold? Purifies it even more, right? Stand to our feet, please.